Hi, this is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here today with Steve Weens, who is senior pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. He's also a Transforming Community alumni, so he's been on the journey with us for a very long time. And today we're talking about the season of Lent. And I'm so excited about that. When I started, uh, when we started our church uh, almost three years ago, uh, we decided to follow the rhythms of the church calendar, of which Lent is one. Uh, but I'm a pretty much of a newbie in this. You've been following this for many years. Uh, and in my journey with the Transforming Center, I, I've, I've learned a lot from you. So I'm excited to talk about Lent. So, but first, let's talk about just in general, what are the seasons of the church calendar and how can they be helpful in our journey of transformation? Yeah. Well, the church calendar is different than the secular calendar, which is an interesting point. So when we are following the church calendar, we actually start in a different place. In the secular calendar, we start um, right after Thanksgiving. So with the first week of Advent, which is typically the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's one week past that. And the Christian year starts with Advent and then moves through Christmas and Epiphany. And um, all sorts of different feast days are honored in there, you know, Transfiguration, the Baptism of Jesus, um, things like that. Um, and then we move into this season of Lent, which is a season of self-examination, self-knowledge, and engaging the part of the story where Jesus is finding his way to the cross. And then, of course, it's all leading up to the highest holy day, holy weekend of the year, which is Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday. And then after that, there's um, ordinary time. And ordinary time is anything but ordinary. It's actually about that period of time where the Holy Spirit is being unleashed in the world and, and how the Holy Spirit begins to be a wind that blows through the life of the church. Um, and so it's very, very exciting to follow the seasons of the church year. And I've come to experience the seasons of the church year as being particular seasons of transformation. Each particular season has a unique invitation to transformation. And as we follow the seasons of the church year, we typically do that by using a shared lectionary. The Revised Common Lectionary is what most of us use. And we follow the scripture readings that actually move us through the seasons of the church year. And they keep us very connected with the life of Christ. That's part Part of what's exciting about it is that this, the seasons of the church year have to do with the life of Christ, and they keep us very connected with Jesus' journey here on this earth and what Jesus' spiritual journey was like so that we can engage in the same journey that Jesus experienced while he was here on the earth, which was uh, the journey of transformation, right? And so each one of the seasons invites us to engage that journey in a different and unique way. And I love that there's seasons. Mm -hmm. Versus days, you know, Christmas Day, right. Easter Day, mm -hmm. Easter Tide is forty nine right. days long. Yes, Christmas Tide is twelve mm -hmm. days long. Lent is forty six, mm -hmm. forty seven days long, and so it's they're they're long enough to really sink down deep mm -hmm. in into them, and each of them have different focuses and different invitations. That's right. That's which right. Is, which is what mm -hmm. I love about it. So uh, where does Lent fall in the seasons? I mean, you just expressed that, but like say a little bit more about what we're doing when we enter into the season yeah. of Lent. Well, the season of Lent is very much about returning to God with all of our hearts. And that's one of my favorite verses. It's from the book of Joel um, to describe what Lent is all about. When I was... When I was young, yeah, this is, see, this is it. This is the thing. I, I wanted to go there too, but it fits. 
When I was young. Yes, when I was young, which was a very long time ago. Um, I used to notice that there were people of the Catholic tradition who gave up something for Lent, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And in fact, it seemed kind of superficial to me because they would give up chocolate or give up ice cream, but then they were always looking for the loopholes. And yeah. that's what alerted me to the fact that this might not be very serious, is when yeah. everybody's looking for the loophole for when they can eat a bit of chocolate or how to sneak it or whatever. But I was I was interested because it was also it was a discipline. No matter how lackadaisical someone might be about the practice, I noticed that there was a kind of intensity about it. There was real discipline around giving up something that they typically really enjoyed. And so um, eventually, as I began to really explore spiritual transformation and how that happens in the lives of people, I discovered that these seasons actually help us to enter into different aspects of the spiritual life and different aspects of the spiritual journey in ways that teach us things that we might not be able to learn any other way. Particularly as it relates to Lent, Lent is a very demanding season where we are not only giving up things that distract us from God, but we're also entering into practices that draw us into relationship with God and help us to experience more of the journey that Jesus himself experienced while he was here on this earth. And so this idea of returning to God with all our hearts is the idea that really resonates so deeply with me. And um, there are aspects of Jesus' life that we enter into during Lent that we don't enter into at other parts of the year. And in fact, I'm not even sure we would choose to. Right. I mean, who would choose to go into the wilderness with Jesus while he was tempted by the devil and um, tempted with the very things that we're tempted by? Well, you wouldn't choose that no. necessarily. But when you're following the, the rhythms of the church year because you have a desire to be transformed, well, then all of a sudden you're willing to walk with Jesus in the wilderness and say, if Jesus learned things in the wilderness, then there's probably things I could learn in the wilderness. Yes. And so I'm willing because of... Um, my love for Jesus and my desire to be like Jesus. But thanks for naming that. I, when Lent rolls around for me, I always do have a real ambivalent. Yeah, um, like, do I really have to do yeah. that again this year? Yeah, it, yeah. it feels long and it feels yeah. arduous mm-hmm. and, and it feels like I'd rather not do it. Right. And when I'm in it, mm-hmm. in fact, when I fast from anything, I, I, I typically don't feel more holy. Mm-hmm. I just feel hungry, yeah, you know, right. or, or yeah. like I feel all all the deprivation of giving up this thing. Uh, that I've chosen to give up. And so I, I agree. It's not, it, it for me, um, at first, it, it, it is not something I, I cherish mm-hmm. or, I, or I relish. Um, now, did you always grow up uh, doing Lent? I mean, like, have, have you always observed Lent? No, it's been more of a recent thing, you know, in the last 10 years or so. And it, 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 it became possible for me when I understood this deeper dynamic of transformation, that, that the seasons of the church year are meant for our transformation, and they are meant to invite us into aspects of transformation that we might not otherwise know how to engage. And particularly, as I said, the idea of returning to God with all of my heart and and seeing these disciplines of abstinence as being about setting aside things that distract me from God or that become obstacles to intimacy with God. When I understand Lent in that way, I'm all of a sudden very drawn to it because I long for a season yes. where I say no to some of the typical distractions and where there's more focus on my relationship with God. Yes, it is arduous at times. And yes, at times I want the ice cream that I said I wasn't going to eat during this season. But the idea that I could sort of clear out, you know, clear my life out, clear out my head, clear out the psychic space and really be present to God and to return to God in some very real ways and to say, yes, God, you are more important to me than this. And to see what happens as I order my life a little bit more intentionally around my passion for God. Uh, There's something about that that's really attractive when you have a desire um, for a deeper experience with God. I agree. 
and I get there. Mm-hmm. Eventually. <laughs> but it does there. feel like it comes pretty quickly some yeah. years, doesn't it? Like I don't even have Christmas put oh, away and all yeah. of a sudden I'm being called into Lent. <laughs> so I remember, I did not grow up observing mm-hmm. Lent. Uh, but when I was in seventh grade, our family moved from Southern California to Belgium. Mm-hmm. And I went to a Catholic school. And there I was on Ash Wednesday in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I had zero idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. Wow. Zero. No one prepared you no for it. No one prepared. But there we all mm-hmm. were in, in this uh, yeah. assembly hall, and I got ashes smeared mm-hmm. on my forehead. And then I looked around like I, I, I was going to w- wipe them off right away because mm-hmm. who wants, but no one else was wiping them off. So Ash Wednesday ushers us into this season. Yeah. Can you talk about the significance of Ash Wednesday and how that helps us begin Lent? Yeah. Well, Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of our observant of Lent, these six weeks of Lent, and it really has to do with acknowledging our humanity, acknowledging that we are mortal. So when the priest gives us the ashes, the priest will say, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so it's a, it's a very humbling season, and Ash Wednesday in particular is, is a, a humbling experience to kneel down at the rail, if, if that's your tradition, and to receive the ashes and to have someone say into your face, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And I want to say, well, wait a second, I'm more than that, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it takes us to this very primal reality that we are all on our way to becoming dust again. The ashes also um, symbolize our repentance for sin. Uh, they're a graphic reminder of our own sinfulness. They're an outward sign of inward repentance or our willingness to repent. Ashes um, in the Israelite tradition were a symbol of mourning. And so when we wear ashes on our forehead, we symbolize the fact that we are mourning over the sin that we've acknowledged in our lives. Uh, We move beyond denial um, by actually having that um, mark that everyone can see. We're actually saying, I'm not in denial about who I am and the fact that I have sinned. And And we are doing it. Exactly. We are doing it. And, And so one of the very interesting experiences now that I enter into Lent through the doorway of Ash Wednesday is to go different places, like to the grocery store and, um, you know, to the gas station and whatever, and see people that you wouldn't typically view in a spiritual way and realize they were at the rail this morning. Yeah. They went to the rail this morning and they acknowledged their sinfulness. They humbled themselves and they received the ashes on their head. Really? That's a person who's seeking to enter into a spiritual journey just like I am. It's a kind of an amazing, extraordinary thing that ordinary people, all of a sudden you see them as someone who might also be on a spiritual journey and you never would have known. I love that. I love it too. I love it too. And I, I do love that for one day out of the year, we sort of say out loud uh, on our bodies mm-hmm. what yeah. we all know is true anyway. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't buy that, you know, people don't really think we're sinful. Mm-hmm. Everyone with any bone yeah. of honesty in their body realizes that uh, on some level, mm-hmm. in thought, word, or deed, or all of the above, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, I have a propensity to mess things up. Yeah, yeah. And there's a tremendous freedom collectively mm-hmm to say that's true. Right, right. And in the Ash Wednesday service, um, hopefully there's space created for that experience of grief and mourning. And I've been surprised some years at what God brings to me in that Ash Wednesday service and the the real grief that I experience over the ways that I've wounded my life, the lives of others, and the life of the world. And in that service, there's space created to, to, to grieve and to mourn 
um, the sins in my own life and to use that moment to determine that I want to get on a different path by entering into this season. Yeah. It's, it's very moving. It is. I agree. So uh, in terms of engaging in Lent, so we've done Ash Wednesday. Now, the next Sunday, we're not preaching about the cross. Right. No, <laughs> the cross right. doesn't show mm-hmm. up for a while. That's right. So how do we engage in Lent? Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, following the lectionary is really helpful because there's going to be the scriptures that keep calling us forward into this season. And especially in the first week, there's always going to be readings from the prophets where the prophets are calling people to repent. So we are hearing those words for ourselves now. It's not just Joel speaking to the Israelites. It's now the prophet speaking to us about this invitation to return Um, to God with all of our hearts. And then in terms of connecting with Jesus, very early we connect with Jesus' experience in the wilderness, that after he's been named as the beloved of God and God has validated him in front of everyone, then the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. A very interesting phrase, you know? He didn't end up there by accident because he took a wrong turn. Yeah, he's there because the Spirit drives him into the wilderness. And so there's the invitation for us to fashion our own wilderness in Lent. And so the way we do that is by creating additional time for solitude and silence in our lives, because that's the wilderness. That's the way we can create a wilderness experience. And sometimes we too will wrestle with temptations around our life and our calling. And particularly for those as leaders, I think that is one of the very powerful weeks of Lent, because Jesus was tempted about issues of relevancy and power and um, how he was going to carry out his calling and and being tempted to grandiosity and casting himself off, you know, um, and testing God. I mean, Jesus is tempted in that time as we as leaders are tempted. And so I find that that week, that first week of Lent to be really penetrating as a leader and to wonder, am I being seduced and tempted to power, tempted to relevancy, tempted to test God? Am I doing any of that in my life? It's a very profound time. So typically the practice of solitude is one that people will um, incorporate into their lives in a really intentional way during Lent. Um, The uh, practices of abstinence where we decide uh, whether or not there's something or something that we need to abstain from in order to be more aware of God in our lives. And so, you know, it used to be chocolate and ice cream and things like that. But these days, one of the most powerful things that people abstain from is technology. Yeah. I'm knowing more and more people who are abstaining from Facebook or Instagram or really trying to get a grip on technology. Because if you enter into disciplines of abstinence through the question, what is keeping me distracted from God? And how can I abstain from that? Wow, the answers to that could be very, very interesting and very, very fruitful. So ask yourself the question, what's distracting me from God these days? What's an obstacle to intimacy with God these days? And then how can I abstain from that? Not just pick something random, you know, like chocolate because everybody else is doing it. Um, so What I, is I, distracting me from, from God? God? Mm-hmm. And how can I abstain yeah, from that? that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a journey that you would need to go on for a little bit to you would. really figure yes. that out. Yes, and, and that's why I really think that Lent needs to be prepared for. Yes. I hate for us all to come rushing into the Ash Wednesday service and nobody has thought about Lent yet. Right. Because that should actually mark the beginning of doing what you've already determined you're going to do. Right. And you've done that in a thoughtful, prayerful way, maybe with a spiritual director, maybe with your spiritual companions, and certainly in prayer with God. Even to ask God the question, what do you feel is distracting me? What do you feel has become an obstacle in our relationship? And how, what could I abstain from that would, uh, you know, create space, you know, for us to interact through this season? Right. Yeah. So that's self-denial. I mean, self-denial is kind of an old-fashioned term, but um, this is what we're talking about. The disciplines of abstinence are uh, correspond to the ways in which we can deny certain things in favor of 
of our relationship with God. Okay. And are there other practices? Yeah, Confession, I mean, definitely, repentance. definitely repentance. I mean, it's a season for repentance. So when we are abstaining, you know, you talked about, you know, not feeling holy, but feeling hungry. One of the things that happens then during the season is we see how dependent we are yeah. on those things that we've now given up for a while. Yeah. Um, how dependent we are, how stimulated we are by our appetites and how addicted we are to certain things. So if we do decide to fast from certain aspects of technology, what's going to happen? We're going to become more aware of how addicted we've been yeah. to technology. And then that brings us to a place of needing to really repent of that and to say, God, this is wounding my life. My patterns around technology have wounded my life. Or if we are giving up aspects of diet because we say, you know, the way I'm living my life and my body is just not glorifying to God. And I use food to anesthetize myself rather than using those times of loneliness or despair to turn my heart towards God. Well, we see how addicted we really are to food and how much we do use it to anesthetize ourselves against some of the darker um, realities of our lives or alcohol, you know, yeah. things like that, substances. So then we repent of our addiction, you know, yeah. and all of us have addictions. Let's be clear about that. Absolutely. Some are more acceptable than others, but all of us have addictions that we turn away from in Lent for this greater purpose of turning our whole selves towards God. Um, so we repent of those things. We make our confessions. We receive God's forgiveness. Um, we might also become aware of the way in which suffering plays a role in our lives. And rather than trying to avoid suffering so much, we might even use this time as an exercise of looking back at some of the places where we have suffered in our lives and, and allowing God to give us a more redemptive perspective, maybe entering back in to the hardness of that time and um, asking God, where were you during that time? What is the meaning of that suffering? And allowing God to do some redemptive work um, on the way, you know, of course, to resurrection. Yes. Oh. So let's say uh, I'm a listener and I'm not in a church that practices mm -hmm. Lent, but I'm really interested yeah. in doing it. What would you say to someone like that? Mm -hmm. Well, there are... Um, resources that you can use privately and personally and the one that we offer in the transforming center is a is um a, a booklet that will carry you all the way through lent uh, beginning with framing up lent in the way that we've talked about uh, how to return to god with all of our hearts getting us through ash wednesday and what all that means and then um, the scriptures and and reflections for every week of lent and um you know that that is really doable on your own if, yeah. if you need to do it on your own maybe you could ask your spouse you know maybe you could say to your spouse hey you know i've always wanted to experience this could we is there some way we could incorporate this into our relationship together and should we or could we or would we want to incorporate a little bit of this into our life with our family or maybe you have a spiritual friend you know a companion even if your whole church doesn't do it Oftentimes there are pockets of people who are familiar with this or have a desire for it, and you can find those pockets and do it together. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I have gone through that uh, several years in a row now, mm -hmm. many years in a row now, probably five or six, and um, and I love it, mm -hmm. and it's it's just such a great tool. And you can find that at the transform at transformingcenter.org resources tab, and it's fantastic. Uh, another question is. Uh, is there a real uh, impetus for leaders to, mm -hmm. to observe Lent and, yes. and, and why? Yes, and I think that is another challenge of our lives in leadership is, is I'm probably going to be leading other people through this time, but how do I create space for myself? And one of the things that I could suggest, there's several things that I've done. One is that um, 
maybe you've offered one resource to the people in your church and you're teaching with that, but maybe you have another resource that you're using privately. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I've done that sometimes, that I'll have something that's just for myself yes. so that God and I can have an intimate experience and I'm not preaching it. I'm still leading my people in what I feel is good for them, but I'm still creating a private place for me with God. The other thing that I would really suggest uh, for a pastor is that they find another church that they can slip into at different times. So some churches uh, will actually do the Stations of the Cross every Friday in Lent um, or early prayer services or late prayer services. But for you to find some place where you can slip into the back pew and be guided in Lent and have your own experience without people's eyes being on you. I have done this over and over again. I've just made sure that I have a place that I can slip into that back pew and just be guided and receive the ashes or the communion myself and hear what that priest or pastor has to say and allow that to be my own private experience of Lent. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Lent? We've talked about mm -hmm. practices. We've talked about where it falls in the rhythm of the church calendar. Mm -hmm. um, anything else? Yes, I think it's important for us to keep in mind where we're headed. Yes. You know, that we are headed towards hope. You know, that Lent is a season that's always looking towards the hope of the resurrection. So whatever difficulty we experience with ourselves during Lent and however arduous it feels, um, the, the, the resurrection is coming. And one of the ideas of Lent is that you, you um, need to fast before you can feast. Yeah. You know, and so the feast is coming and the fasting actually prepares us to really celebrate. So the end of Lent is an all out celebration of the highest holy day of the church. So that's one thing I would say. Let's keep that in mind. It's not meant to be all darkness and depression. It's it's really about the hope of We're forgiveness. Going We're going somewhere. We're going towards hope and resurrection. And that is Jesus' journey. And it is ours. The other thing I would say is that even though we are abstaining and it feels like a season of scarcity, the other practice of Lent has to do with almsgiving. If you look in the book of Matthew chapter 6, that, that we are praying and repenting and abstaining. But oftentimes people will find a practice that enables them to give during the season of Lent. So we are abstaining from some of those things that r distract us from God, but it's also a season of generosity to ask God, how can I give to others, um, who are those around me that need me to give something to them? So it's it's kind of a back and forth between abstinence and generosity. I'm abstaining, but I'm also um, allowing God to move me to be more generous and to give to those who are in need. And I think that's a very exciting possibility of Lent, is that it can be a time of, of real generosity of spirit. And as we close, I'd like to offer a prayer that gathers up our desire for what we would all hopefully want to experience in Lent this year. Oh God, I admit it. I know nothing about self-denial. I don't know what to give up or how or why. My whole life is about consuming and being consumed. And I am deeply cynical about anything that diminishes your desire for us to choose life. And yet I know that simplifying actually clarifies. Spring cleaning sweeps away the junk and garbage that weighs me down. Eliminating distraction puts me in touch with myself and with what I most deeply want, which is you and your life-changing wind blowing unencumbered through my life. Oh God, lead me in the letting go of anything that distracts, numbs, keeps me jumbled on the inside. Guide me into uncluttered rooms and wide open spaces where I can meet you.
Thanks so much for listening today. There are so many podcasts out there, and we are grateful that you've chosen to spend this 30 minutes with us. Thank you so much, Steve, for such a great set of questions and for taking your own step of faith to join a transforming community so long ago in 2011. If you're a pastor or a clergy person or hold a leadership position in some Christian ministry organization, and if you want to forge a stronger connection between your soul and your leadership, and if the topic of today strikes a chord with you, um, consider this as an invitation to learn more about the Transforming Community, a two-year experience of spiritual formation for pastors and Christian leaders. Our experience is grounded in scripture. It's animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation and community. It's informed by the richness and the diversity of our Christian heritage. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, just visit our blog, transformingcenter.org, find the show notes for this episode, and we'll also have links there to the other resources that we have mentioned in this podcast. Thank you for listening. We pray that these resources and this conversation will be an ongoing blessing for you in your life and leadership.